0: When you think of lions, uh, what image comes to mind? Uh, Maybe Simba from The Lion King, or maybe a resting lion. I have some experience with lions, uh, not just in zoos and wildlife parks, but in the wild. Uh, Back in 2009, my wife, Carlin, and I tracked lions on foot in South Africa and Botswana. And we saw quite a few lions and leopards and cheetahs uh, there, and also when we went to the Serengeti uh, in Tanzania. Uh, I should add that we were tracking them um, to take photos, not to take their lives, uh, but it was really quite exciting. Uh, One vivid memory uh, is of the first morning in the Kalahari uh, when we were in an open-top truck. Uh, on a track quite close to our tent. Uh, And as we went around a corner, we were confronted by this pride of lions, and that's a photograph that we took. Notice there are no cages or anything like that between us and them. Uh, They fortunately uh, walked straight past us, uh, giving us the eye, uh, and apparently they don't distinguish between the truck and the people in the truck. Uh, They just see a big thing, and uh, they um, don't uh, really pay that much attention uh, to the people in it. Uh, But we were told uh, to not put a hand or arm outside the truck, you know, like that, because if we did, we would quickly join the food chain. Uh, I had a feeling, uh, as we sat on that truck, that we were a form of Meals on Wheels. Uh, When reading the story of Daniel in the lion's den, we need to put aside cute, friendly pictures of lions like this and think of mean and nasty killing machines like this and this. Yep, we were on foot taking those photographs. Um, So it was fun. Uh, uh, And just in case you're wondering, apparently uh, lions kill about five people Uh, in the wild uh, each week. Uh, Hippos are more dangerous, but uh, lions definitely uh, can do you some damage. Uh, Well, enough of my uh, travel slides. Uh, We're returning to the uh, journey through the Old Testament book of Daniel. Uh, The first six chapters are stories set in Babylon uh, in the 6th century BC. Uh, while the Jews were in exile there after the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. The next chapters are visions of Daniel, uh, and we'll get to them next week uh, when Alex uh, takes us through the passage that Jesus quotes the most from the Old Testament about the Son of Man. So well worthwhile being here next week for that. Uh, The story today has a number of similarities with the story in chapter 3, when three friends of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, were thrown into a fiery furnace. There are also some differences, but we don't need to look at them now. If you recall, I suggested that Daniel is the most New Testament book in the Old Testament, because it's not set in the Promised Land of Israel. Uh, it's set in the uh, in a city that is hostile to God and to His people in in Babylon, uh, then under the control of the Persians because they had kicked the Babylonians out. And while I don't think that Sydney is hostile to Christians in general, many Sydney siders are certainly opposed to or dismissive of our faith. Uh, life can be hard for you in your families and workplaces as you try to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And this story will help you both spiritually and in practical ways to know how to live and to survive among those who would devour you or at least drag you down and make your life much harder than you would like. I think the story is clear so I don't need to repeat it Uh, When we looked at the first five chapters, I mentioned that quite a few theologians today do not see these stories as history as such, uh, although they may have been based on historical people. Darius was certainly uh, a significant character in history who led the Persians to destroy the Babylonian Empire that had taken the Jews from Jerusalem into exile in Babylon about 600 years before Jesus I suggested the book of Daniel contains much satire, aimed at poking fun at the Greek overlords of Israel uh, who took over from the Persians when Alexander the Great defeated them. Uh, The stories were designed to instill confidence in God and encourage perseverance in face of violent and oppressive rule. And it's not hard to see how that works here. Daniel is threatened because of his faith. He prays to God. and God delivers him from the face of certain death. Darius was most upset, as you could tell. He he didn't want to have to throw Daniel into the lion's den, but he thought that there was nothing that he could do. Such was his vanity and need to keep everyone happy. Um, So it was beyond him. The most powerful person in the Middle East at the moment... To save Daniel, but not beyond God. So you can just see how this story fits in with trying to encourage people in Israel under an oppressive rule uh, to keep going because their God is a God who can save. So, whether there were lions and a lion's den, it's not really that important. The things that the Jews in the 2nd century BC were facing under the Greek overlords uh, when this book was written were worse than a quick death by lion. You can read about that in uh, 2 Maccabees 7 if you want to, but it's really hard reading. Uh, The message is stay faithful to God and he will deliver you. Nothing is beyond God not the political opponents of Daniel's work, not the ruler of the Persian Empire, and not even a den of hungry lions. Uh, I was going to say that justice is done, and certainly Daniel is saved in the lion's den. But I take it it is Darius's justice rather than God's that sees wives and children die with the corrupt officials. I want to draw three lessons from this story. The first is staying faithful to God. The second concerns prayer. And the third concerns God help in times of trouble. Daniel is in exile in a foreign country in ways that we may sometimes feel an alien in our culture. Materialism, vanity and intolerance press in around us. But Daniel did not live the life of a recluse. He didn't withdraw from society. He accepted employment in Darius's administration and did his job well. His jealous opponents found no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent, just as we are to work well in our jobs. Whatever challenges that we face, we see Daniel here working well. Honestly, no corruption, uh, earning the admiration of those around him. Uh, And that's a good test for us. But Daniel did not comply with all the laws binding on him. Uh, His loyalty to his God came first, and he continued to pray to him, even if it meant being devoured by lions. We are told in a number of places in the New Testament that we Christians are to follow the laws of the land, Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2, but not if it means rejecting God and his ways, turning our back on God. No, we must keep following God. I think we can learn something from the way that Daniel went about resisting the prohibition on prayer. He did not go on Facebook or Twitter to announce his... Opposition to Darius's decree. He did not set out to undermine Darius or cause harm. Simply, in the quietness of his own home, he prayed to his God. I don't want to pick on the footballer Israel Folau, but I think he could have learnt something from Daniel. As for the recent kerfuffle over the manly rainbow jumper. I think it's absolutely absurd that footballers can be required to support the political views of their employer. But as far as I know, the seven who did not want to wear the jumper simply communicated that quietly to their employer. They made no public comments of, of hatred or contempt. Whether you agree with them or not, they did not set out to harm anyone, uh, even if their actions provoked intolerance among some. Daniel remained faithful to God, whatever the consequences might be. He, he worked honestly and well and trusted God. And that is all that can be expected of us as we reflect God in the ways we go about our work. But there is another aspect of work I want to mention here. How old do you think Daniel was when this happened. Uh, This uh, is a famous painting by Rubens. It shows well the malevolence of the lions, but portrays Daniel as a young man. Daniel was probably a teenager when he was first taken into exile, maybe around 586 BC, Now, Darius conquered Babylon in 522 BC, so Daniel was at least in his 80s when he faced the biggest challenge of his life. And he was still working hard and well. This is narrative, not command, but Abraham was 75 when he started out for the Promised Land. Sarah was 90 when she had Isaac. Moses was 80 when he confronted Pharaoh in Egypt and 120 when he finally got to the promised land. Joshua was 80 when he started the conquest of Israel. Retirement is not mentioned in the Bible. There is leisure and and rest, but not withdrawal. Our work may change as we get older, but we are not to stop work before we need to. So, don't give up working well, just because you're old. I know that some things do get beyond us, uh, and it's good to give younger people opportunities. But Carol at GAP, our emergency relief programme, is in her late 70s, and has just clocked up 17 years as a volunteer there. And she also works one day a week down in the op shop in Glebe Street. She's being a Daniel. And one way, whichever way we look at it, um, we have something to learn from Daniel in just keeping going and doing his work well. The second thing we can learn from Daniel is prayer. We read, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published... He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Giving thanks for what? That he was about to be killed? No, I think we can guess that Daniel was thankful that he had a God who had who would help him whatever challenges lay ahead. Daniel had survived the Babylonians' capture and destruction of Jerusalem. He had survived a 2,200-kilometre trek into exile and decades under the capricious leadership of Babylonian kings. God had helped Daniel interpret the dreams of Kings Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar and the consequences of giving them bad news. When he had to tell them the truth, he told them the truth, that they were facing destruction. Not a good thing to do. You know, we would call it a career-limiting move, but God had helped him through that. Daniel knew the power and faithfulness of his God and that he could be thankful for that God, even though the expression of his thankfulness would now put him in great danger. But that did not stop him from praying. Praying thanks and also asking for help as he faced the lions. We're not required to pray three times a day. Nowhere in the Bible is there a command to pray as far as I know, and certainly not a a command to pray three times a day. A prayer is a gift from God, as he promises to, to listen to and answer our prayers. I know some people struggle with prayer. And that may be because they have a higher expectation of how they should pray than we see in our Bible. A simple prayer of thanks or, or request is all that's needed. I'll say a bit more about this when we get to chapter 9 uh, where we see Daniel pray. Uh, we actually hear what he, what he prays. But today I, I just want us to see how Daniel responded to his life-threatening predicament. He prayed. And that is not beyond any of us. The third thing we can obviously take out of this story, which is probably the main thing uh, that this uh, story is known for, is that God will help us through our troubles, even if it feels like we're surrounded by ravenous lions. Notice that God does not save Daniel from the ordeal of facing the lion's den. Just as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego went into the fiery furnace, Daniel went into the lion's den. We may pray for a nice, easy life, but the experience of Christians over the last 2,000 years is that that rarely happens. There are wars, plagues, natural disasters greedy and evil people, and and just the many frustrations and disappointments of life. We experience these as much as anyone else, and over the last 2,000 years there have been many people who have suffered for their faith, and many martyrs. But I want to warn you against reading too much into this story, and that's where I'm really grateful for the way that Uh, Jackie started us today uh, by telling us how she had sometimes thought about this that you've just got to be a superhuman to be like Daniel. And I don't think that's the message here. The way this story is often told is that Daniel was immensely brave, and we need to be as brave as Daniel. There is a hymn called Dare to Be a Daniel, which has some good lines. But also this, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone. Daniel did not stand alone. He wouldn't have thought that he was alone. Daniel, uh, God was with him, and it was the angels who joined him in that lion's den, just as an angel had joined uh, the three in the fiery furnace. Look closely and you will see that the story does not tell us that Daniel was brave. We're told that he had admirable qualities, but these were that he was trustworthy and not corrupt or negligent. And I guess in many workplaces it takes courage to to not fall in with those around us who are corrupt. But the focus here is upon Daniel's honesty and competence and faith. His innocence, not his bravery. We see Daniel respond to the prohibition on prayer by praying. You know, if I was to ask you, you know, what superhero power would you like to have? You know, just in the Marvel uh, uh, films and that type of thing. What superpower would you like to have? <laughs> Daniel shows us that the power you need is just the ability to get onto your knees and pray, and pray. Uh, You might think that praying in his circumstances was brave, uh, but he did it in his own room and he may have been quaking in his boots as he did so. Daniel asked for God's help, Because he trusted God, but also because he knew he couldn't do it on his own. He was not like David, who killed a lion with his bare hands. Daniel prayed and relied on God to save him with those lions. Uh, We're not told of Daniel's demeanour when he was thrown into the lion's den, we're just told he got thrown in. Uh, We're not told that there were words of bravado just wait, you'll see what my God does. No, we just told he got thrown in. No reference to him staring down the lions as they prowled around him. It was not Daniel who saved himself, but God who saved him. God sent his angels to protect him. And listen to Daniel's words as he came out of the den. May the king live forever. No vengeance on his uh, crossed his mind my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight nor have I ever done any wrong before you your majesty we see honesty and innocence not extraordinary bravery or strength Uh, I'm not saying that Daniel wasn't brave Uh, He certainly seems to be more calm than I would have been. Uh, But let's listen to God. The things God wants us to see in Daniel is his innocence and his trust in God. And notice what happens when Darius, the mighty king of the Persians, saw Daniel relying on his God and saw the innocence and faith of Daniel. Darius praised Daniel's God, our God, the living God, the God who can save. Darius proclaimed, he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the, lion, from the power of the lions. Not that Darius had rescued him, but God had rescued him. And God gets praised. And this is what happens when we live lives that Jesus wants us to live. People are drawn to him. Not argued into the kingdom, not scared into the kingdom, but drawn into the kingdom by the goodness, power, and truth of God. And we're told Daniel prospered During the reign of Darius and Cyrus, God honoured Daniel for his innocence and his faith. There was blessing for Daniel in this life, although we know from the stories of the martyrs that often their glory lies ahead in the age to come. So as you think about this story of Daniel in the lion's den, just remember that you don't have to fight your enemies on your own. You don't have to have a superpower. You don't need to be a super-Christian. We don't have to fight the dangers of this world on our own. Our neighbours will look to us for help if we are trustworthy, competent, and respectful and kind, whether they be neighbours where we live or neighbours in the region around Australia. And when we come up against a lion or a dragon, who seems way too powerful for us, we still have prayer. Prayer to the God who is powerful and who is willing to save. So, whatever lions you face, either today or in the years ahead, do not give up on God and he will not give up on you. Don't try to do it on your own. Daniel knew he needed God and that the den and the lions belonged to God as everything in this world does and when people see your innocence and faith they too may be drawn to the God who saves and may there that be our prayer amen please stand and join us in our next hymn